2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ taught us how we as Christians ought to live. He never did sugarcoat or back away from tough subjects. He demands unswerving loyalty to him and to his kingdom with its values. Here is what he says about money and possessions. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, do you ever think that, uh, did you ever think 2021 would ever get here? For me, it still feels like it's 2020. I think it will feel like 2020 to me until we're able to all come and meet together in church and worship God together. I'm looking forward to that greatly, and I'm sure you are. Uh, let me remind you, don't stop praying. Keep on praying toward that end. Let's pray that God will bring us together as soon as possible. And in the meantime, let us pray that, uh, that God will keep us safe, and we do thank him for his faithfulness. Now, I, I want to begin the, the year with a few chuckles. I hope that you'll get a chuckle out of it. For me, it was funny. If you don't think it's funny or you think it's not very humorous, then just ignore it. But uh, do please humor me. Uh, here's, here's a first meme that I found that I thought was hilarious. It kind of reminded me of me. When you thought 2020 was going to be a lot of Netflix and chill, but it turned out to be a lot of Zoom and consume. <laughs> uh, some of you know that our prayer meetings are done on Zoom. And uh, maybe you feel like this fat cat. I know uh, I do, but we're going to get working on that. Uh, here's another one that I thought was hilarious. In 2019, we didn't wear masks. In 2020, we had to wear them, and it, it really hurt and affected our ears. So 2021, uh, we've been transformed. And then somebody came out with another meme and said, uh, after the end of coronavirus, you need to wear the mask this way for two months to let your ears come back to normal position. Hilarious, in my opinion. And then finally, the, the last one here. Me on January 1st, 2021, it's over, it's done. So good news, folks, is regardless of what's happening in the world today, God is sovereign, he's on his throne, and we don't sweat, we don't fear, we don't worry, we just trust the Lord. So let's, uh, let's carry on in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been working on the Sermon on the Mount for, uh, I just counted it up, for seven months. And we have another three months to go, and uh, you'll know that the Sermon on the Mount comes from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we find encapsulated the core teachings of Christ. You find these teachings throughout the Gospels, and you find them expounded upon by the Apostle Paul and the other authors of the New Testament. And if you're a Christian today, then you understand that you are a member of the kingdom of God. The Sermon on the Mount really serves as a constitution or a guiding document that teaches us how we as Christians must function as members of the kingdom of God. So it's critical, folks, that you and I understand what Jesus teaches us. It's critical that we understand how it is that we must function. 
Now, the interesting thing, folks, about chapter six, and we're, about, we're, we're, we're right about the middle of chapter six. We just completed the Lord's Prayer, and last Sunday we talked about the importance of forgiving, how we should come to the end of the year and resolve, be resolved to forgive. But here we are now in uh, verse 19. We're looking at verses 19 to 24 of chapter 6. We ended the year with the call to forgive, and now we begin 2021 with the call to give. Ending with forgive, and now we start with give. Let me just point out something very quickly to you about chapter 6. Chapter 6 really is, for me, the go-to chapter whenever I feel anxious or worried about anything. And if anybody comes to me anxious or worried about life and about the problems or the things that they have to deal with and they're not sure how they're going to make it to the next day, I always point them to chapter 6. Chapter 6 is Christ's teaching and his, uh, his exhortation to us to not worry and to, be, to not be anxious. It's actually a command. He commands us, don't worry, don't be anxious. And, and a lot of people, when they read that chapter, they say, yeah, that's true, but something else that is, is parallel to this teaching about not being anxious is this teaching to give. They, they go hand in hand, they go together. In fact, chapter six, if you'll remember, begins with the exhortation to give. In fact, Jesus tells us how to give. In fact, Jesus tells us how to give before he teaches us how to pray. I'm going to tell you something about the Christian life. The Christian life is very pragmatic, very practical in how it's lived out. For a lot of people, their religion is all in their head, but Jesus tells us that if we're going to be true followers of Christ, then our faith has got to be lived out. So, while Jesus is teaching us to not be anxious, he's simultaneously teaching us to give. Now, it doesn't really uh, make sense to the natural mind. But if you're a Christian today, then you know that, that this is truth, this spiritual truth. And the heart, the mind that has been converted, if you've been born again, then you're able then to receive this truth. So, do you have faith in God? Well, Jesus says, well, prove it by number one, giving, and by number two, not worrying. It's critical, folks, that we understand that the way to live a worry-free life is to not be grasping and holding tight what we have, but by giving and sharing with others. This, this is a, a this is an assurance that we carry in our hearts, that the one who has called us to give is also the one who has called us to give and to share. So let me take a look and, and join with me in reading your Bible. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And then we're going to just focus this morning on verses 19 to 21. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus says, store your treasure in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp 
that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. We're going to talk about that next week. No one can serve two masters, for if for you will hate one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, Jesus says. So Jesus, in case you don't know this, he talks a lot about money. He talks a lot about giving. There are about 40 parables that Jesus gives in the New Testament. These are little stories that help us understand the truth. And do you know that 25% of them, at least a quarter of them, are about giving, about money, and how we manage it? One of the things that you will discover if you uh, have been a Christian for any length of time is that Christianity is all all about uh, stewardship. We are all, in fact, stewards called by God to be his hands and his feet in this world. We are called to represent him, to be his ambassadors, if you will. We are called to be channels of God's blessing to a broken and hurting world. So I have often heard people who, who despise the church or who despise God, they'll say, you know, here we are in the midst of this crisis, and where is God? And I'll tell you where God is. God is he's here in his people, working through his people to bring blessing to a broken and fallen world. This is the reality, folks. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is, has its affections on things other than God. And God, in his love and his compassion and his infinite patience, he, is, he continues to reach out to a broken and hurting world to bring truth and hope and redemption. So here, here's where we come in. God wants us to live in such a way that we reflect who he is. God is a giver, and he gave his son, and Jesus is a giver. He gave his life, and we are called to imitate Christ. We are called to do his will. So Jesus wants us to understand how to live in this world. He wants us to understand that we must not be people who have a temporal mindset. Temporal means temporary. He wants us to understand that we have been created in the image of God, and therefore, we are eternal in our nature, and we have been created for eternity. He's called us to to be like him in this world. And so if we're going to do that, here's what Jesus tells us we need to do. He says, do not lay, uh, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We all know that this, in fact, is, is what happens. The minute that we own anything, the minute we possess anything, immediately we discover that we don't own our possessions. Our possessions own us. The minute that we have our own, our own stuff, what do we do? We put up a fence to protect our stuff. We get an alarm system, ADT, to, to protect our home, protect our possessions. Uh, we hire guards. We want to have police. We want to do whatever we can to protect our stuff. 
We put up bars on our windows. We put our stuff in, in lock boxes in the bank. We do whatever we can to protect what we have. Why? Because we don't want to lose our possessions. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to protect your possessions, but you need to understand the nature of money and the nature of your possessions. Jesus wants us to understand that our possessions should not possess us. Our possessions or, or things entrusted to us, our money has been entrusted to us so that we would use it for the glory of God. Because what? We're stewards. We are called to steward this. Now, this, you look at this, you think, yeah, this is all true. And it, it just all seems ridiculous that we would be desperately clutching stuff to our breast, hanging on to it, worried that, that somehow, some way we could lose it. Why do we lay up treasure on earth? Why do we do this? I mean, it really is ridiculous when you think about it. Why do we do it? Well, number one, because we are not trusting the Father who, who has promised to provide for us and meet our needs. That's why we get our eyes fixed on stuff and money and possessions, and we worry about our retirement, and, and God wants us to know that we shouldn't be worrying about that. We worry, we're anxious, we're grasping, clutching at money and our stuff because we, we don't really trust the Father to meet our needs. And the second reason is because we're looking, quite frankly, we're looking for, for, for fulfillment in our, in our stuff. We think that the more we have, the happier we'll be. The more little, little knickknacks that we can have in our, in our knickknack cabinet, the happier we will be. If I can just get that one more hockey card, if I can just get that one more figurine. I remember as a boy, Red Rose Tea used to have little animal figurines and everybody then was on a, a mad, mad rush to get a hold of a complete set of figurines. The, 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 the grocery stores were really quite smart about that because now people are buying groceries and buying certain amounts of, of food so that they could get a complete set of whatever garbage they were selling, whether it's a pots and pans or glasses or, like I said, little figurines. Oh, my goodness. We, uh, we think that we are going to find fulfillment in our stuff. And the fact is... If you've lived for any length of time, you know that your stuff will not make you happy. And how do we know that? Well, because no sooner do you buy a new handbag, a new purse, a new wallet, new clothes, and, and you're like, I, I got to buy another one, and I got to get another one. And it's not good enough to get one pair of shoes. You need to have how many thousands of pairs of shoes did, shoes did Imelda Marcos have? And it still didn't bring her joy. Well, this is us. We, we, we are looking to stuff. Somehow our stuff, our money, is our hope. I have told you about the man I talked to about why he bought lottery tickets. And he said, because of the great hope that it brings me until the day of, of the draw. I want to ask you today, is your hope in God or is it in money? Is it in stuff? You need to understand the nature of money. It's a dangerous thing. Jesus wants to understand that money is going to compete for your love. And what do I mean by that? Well, money will compete for your 
for your affection. Our affection should be given to God alone. But based on how we live here in the West, it's clear that our love is for money. And I would say to anybody coming from a third world country to Canada or to the United States or anywhere in the West, it's a, that's a dangerous proposition because it's not long before your love of money will replace your love of God. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And I'm gonna tell you, as long as, as you are living here and living on this earth, you are gonna find this tug of war in your heart. I remember one pastor who became very wealthy after the publication of one of his books. He decided to do what he called reverse tithing. He decided to give away 90% of his money and live on 10%. And he said this, he said that he does this because he wants to fight the greed that naturally wells up in his heart. I thought that was excellent. This is something that we all are going to face. It's something that we will all battle. It's something that I constantly battle. That's why I try to give far above and beyond what the Bible calls me to give. I want to kill greed in my heart. I do not want to love the things of this world. Think about that, because this is what money does. It competes for your love and your affection. Jesus calls us to love God alone. Now, this is the reason that Jesus says in verse 24, verse B, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's what it says in the ESV. In the NLT, it says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to, to mammon. Now, you'll notice that I've substituted the word money for mammon. In fact, in the Greek, it says mammon. Mammon became uh, the word for, for, for money, for wealth. It, it, it can be translated money, but you need to understand what mammon is. I like to stick to the word mammon, what it says in the Greek, and I'll tell you why. Because mammon was the Syrian god for riches or wealth. And so this, this, these terms became interchangeable. You could say money, you could say mammon. Everybody understood what that meant. But I want you to see what Jesus is telling us here. He said, he's telling us that you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the God mammon, the God or the idol of riches. And I'm going to tell you, the God riches is in fact the God of this world. It's Satan himself. You need to know that. You need to understand that. It's, it's not, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm doing, trying to work hard at not loving money. You should not love money at all. You should not love mammon at all. You cannot, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to mammon. You're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to love the, other, love the one and hate the other. We're going to talk more about that in a couple weeks. But here's what you need to know. Jesus is saying that we must guard our hearts against the onslaught, against the attacks of this God mammon. He's going to do everything he can to entice you to think about only the things of this world. Now, that's the difference between God and, and mammon. God is the God of eternity. Mammon is the God of what is temporal or temporary. Think about it. You came into this world with nothing, and you leave with nothing. You can't take anything that you have. In fact, anything that you have right now, the money in your bank account, your car, your house, you say, Pastor, I own it. I paid it off. I, I don't have a mortgage anymore. Well, you own it right now, but you don't really own it. 
You just, you're just holding it until you die, and you are going to die. Sorry to tell you that in 2021, as if we haven't suffered enough. I have to remind you that you're all going to die. But the fact is, is that we are. And so what Jesus wants us to do here is he wants us to start thinking with eternal thinking, understanding that we're going to be spending uh, an eternity with him. Think about that. A billion years from now, do we, will we really care what kind of a car we drove while on earth? Will we really care how big our house was or how much money we had in our bank account? Do you think that that will be something we're celebrating in heaven? Nobody gives a rip about that. That will not matter. So we need to understand the call to live as eternal beings. Remember, we were created in the image of God, and God is eternal, and we are called to be eternal in our thinking because that best reflects who God is and what God calls us to. Now, I've heard people say, you know, that money is evil. Look, money itself is not evil. Mammon is, but, but, but the tool, money, in and of itself is not evil. What's evil is the love of money. Remember that. Money, money does great things. We're able to accomplish great and mighty things here at Cross Church and through Cross Church through the use, the good use, the wise stewardship of money. The problem, folks, is that for too many people, they begin to love it. Here's what the Apostle Paul warns. He warns that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I like the way he puts that, from the true faith. There's a lot of ministers and preachers that preach what we call a prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel at all. It's, in fact, demonic, because what, this, what, these, what, these, uh, what these faith teachers, remember it says true faith, what these, what these false faith teachers preach is that God wants you to be rich. In other words, they're saying you can have God and you can have mammon. And Jesus clearly tells us that's impossible. You've got to take your pick. You can't love God and you can't love mammon at the same time. It's not possible. And our Lord, our Master, our King, our Savior himself has told us this. No, if you're going to love money, then here's what's going to happen. This craving for money is going to cause you to wander away from God. In fact, if you are craving and loving money right now, I'm guessing that you've probably already wandered away from God. Money now is more important to you than the things of God. And Paul says the people who do this have been pierced with many sorrows. In 2020, some of you may know that it was dominated, one of the, one of the stories that dominated was the college uh, admissions scandal. And a number of actors from Hollywood were thrown into jail and fined hundreds of thousands of dollars because what they tried to do is they tried to buy, buy a spot in a prestigious university like Harvard or Yale or, or, or any one of these Ivy League universities. They tried to buy a spot for their students or for their children to get in. With all this extra money, they bought themselves humiliation, a prison term, massive fines, the humiliation of their children, and the list goes on. Yes, if you crave money, 
and you try to use your money to advance yourself, then Paul says, you will pierce yourself with many sorrows. And some of you are listening right now have already done that. You have pierced your heart with all kinds of pain and suffering because you put money before God. And I'm gonna just invite you right now in, in 2021 to turn your affections upon God and make, make up your mind today that you're gonna change how you live. Now, I said to you that, that some people uh, have said that we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of this world. Let me just say to you that that is not entirely true. It's true that we can't take anything with us when we die, but what we can do, Jesus tells us, is that we can send it ahead while we're still alive, while we're still living. Here's what he says in verse 20 of Matthew 6. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, I'm going to just tell you, frankly, uh, Gloria and I, we do what we can to make sure that we have uh, a pension fund so that we are not a burden on anybody and so that we can continue on in our habit of giving and sharing, meeting and helping our children, helping all, all of our children in Burundi and supporting missions work, etc., etc. But understand something. More important than laying up our treasure on earth is laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Our giving exceeds our, our savings here on this earth. Why? Because I don't really care about this world in the sense that this world is not my home. What I care about is what's going to happen when I get to heaven. I want to make sure that I have laid up my treasure there. And you're going to see why that is in just a moment. But let's just examine this for a moment. How do we do this? How do we lay up treasure in heaven? And I'll tell you how we do it, very simply. We give. Now, there's at least four kinds of giving. If you want to be technical, there's more. But there's basically four general types of giving that Gloria and I and many of our many of our staff and our elders for sure, but many of us practice on a regular basis. And the first form of giving is what we call the tithe. I know that there are some people who think that tithing does not apply to Christians. Um, uh, again, my conviction is that, is that it, it still does uh, apply. At least it is a standard, if you want to put it like that. Uh, we are called to give, we're called to support and advance the kingdom of God. And that's what your tithe does. Your tithe and plus whatever else you can give or whatever extra you want to give. This, this, we call it tithing, but really what it is, it's called giving to advance the work of God. And in our case, it's advancing the work of God through Cross Church. So we're able to do what we do in our community. We're able to do what we do up north. We're able to do what we do in Burundi because people of Cross Church give so that we can keep, keep the lights on and keep doing what we have to do. Well, there's a second kind of giving, what we call special offerings. Or in the Bible, they, they were gratitude offerings, offerings of thanksgiving. And so when something great happened and a person wanted to say thank you to the Lord, they would give a special offering. And again, we do that here as well. We, we invite you to give to missions, in fact, once a year, we ask you to make a donation because if everybody gives a donation at least once a year, a small donation, it's not very large, it's only, we're only asking uh, for $60, 
We used to call it a banquet ticket. We don't call it that anymore. We just call it your, your missions offering for, for, for the year. And, um, and that's what that's all about. We, we're giving above and beyond advancing God's kingdom. Well, there's a third kind of giving. We call it almsgiving, A-L-M-S. And alms were for people who were in need, for people who were struggling, people who had nothing. And we've done a lot of that uh, in at the end of every year, we do the we do the shoe boxes. We did over almost 400, I think, shoe boxes for for children who have absolutely nothing. And then we did the food hampers, the Christmas food hampers for our brethren up north, over 40 of them. And uh, we we raise money for scholarships for the graduates from the Village of Hope, so that they can go on to to the next level of education. Uh, so we love to give alms at Cross Church. And by the way, that's why uh, I as your pastor and we as the eldership and the staff, this is why we give you opportunity to give so that you can actually do what Jesus tells you to do. Many of you have, have hired uh, financial services and financial agents that help you invest your money. Well, if you want to look at it that way, that's kind of what we're doing. We're your investment agents. We're helping you Lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Some of you are going to be real paupers in heaven and others of you are going to know the blessing of God. Heaven is what you're looking forward to. And heaven, in case uh, you don't know what I'm talking about, is it actually eternity, an eternity with God. Do you know the 16th century preacher, Martin Luther, here's what he said. If you're, if you're going to be converted, here's what's got to happen. He says, there's got to be three conversions, and these are necessary conversions. The, it's the conversion of the heart where your emotions and your, your, your desires, your longings have been converted so that now you only want God, and now you are repentant. You've turned away from your old way of living to a new way of living, And then there's a conversion of the mind where now your mind is being transformed as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, verses one to two. And then he talks about the conversion of the purse. Now, the purse is is actually your wallet. It's, It's your possessions, it's your stuff. Martin Luther says, when these things, when these three are converted, then you are indeed converted. It's a, it's a change in the way you think. It's a change in the way that you live. You no longer live for yourself. And by the way, can I just say this? Because a lot of people think, well, the rich, the rich should give. The poor shouldn't have to do that. And that's, Jesus does not teach us that. In fact, Jesus points out the giving of the poor widow who gave her last little mite, which was, it's called the widow's mite, which is a coin. It's only like a penny. But Jesus said she gave everything she had. Why, so that she would then go away broke and hungry and starve to death? No. She, Jesus wants us to know that when you give, what you're doing is you're giving God opportunity to provide, to pour out in your life his provision. It's, it's, a, it's a transaction of, of, of miracles that takes place here. By faith, this woman gave, and by faith, she believed that God would provide for her. And I think that knowing God and knowing our Lord Jesus, we can presume very safely that God did, in fact, meet her needs. In fact, Jesus said, this woman gave more than anybody 
And there, there are a lot of rich people putting in bags of money. But Jesus said she didn't just give a, a widow's mite, that little, that little coin. She gave everything she had. Now, that's, that's remarkable giving. And that's a true sign of a heart that has been converted. She's willing to give it all. Now, Jesus, to Jesus, money operates as a rival God. And you need to keep that in mind. You need to make sure that you are protecting your heart against the God mammon. Mammon becomes your God the moment that you begin to love money. And suddenly it's like demonic, something demonic is attacking you. I want to warn you against this God. Because when you worship the God money, what you're really doing, folks, is you're actually worshiping yourself. Because now you are using your money to just simply bring pleasure to yourself and to indulge your own comforts and your own pleasures. I remember a pastor's wife saying that she was going on vacation. And I said, well, what do you plan to do when you and your husband are on vacation? And she says, well, I don't know about him, but I'm going to shop till I drop. Now, I mean, even as I say that, it seems, you know, pretty benign. It's, it's a joke. But for me at that time, I'd never heard that before. I never heard that people would go on vacation to shop and spend money. And I, I was absolutely floored. I was shocked that a pastor's wife would say such a thing. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit easier going now, and I'm not so uptight. But really, when we stop and think about that, if you're shopping till you drop and you're spending money just for the fun of it, then first of all, I have to say, you're not being a good steward of what God's entrusted you. And secondly, you're finding fulfillment and joy in stuff, in things, in money. And I would, I would warn you that the God mammon is lurking in the shadows and he's very close. You need to protect your heart. You need to make sure that your heart is where you need to be. So here's the thing, folks. When we lay up treasure in heaven through giving, we are shaking off the hold of this world. We're saying, this world is not my home. I, my home is in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're doing now when we give is we're saying no to greed. And I'm going to tell you, all of us are going to struggle with this in one way or another. I don't care how rich you are or how poor you are. It's something we are all afflicted with if we allow Satan to have his way. The next thing that happens when you give is you are saying no to fear. You're saying, I trust my God. I believe he will meet my needs. I believe he will provide for me. I believe he'll answer my prayer. I believe that I don't have to take care of myself now, I'm not saying that we're going to be irresponsible, but what I'm saying is this, is that when we are responsible and we do all that the Lord Jesus tells us to do, we can count on God to provide for us and meet our every need. You don't need to be anxious, and you're going to hear more about that in just a couple of weeks. Do not be anxious, Jesus commands, but he also commands give. In fact, he tells us to give before he tells us not to be anxious. Think about that. How do you combat fear and anxiety, you would think I would tell you to save, to, to hang on tight, but no, it's the exact opposite. If you're anxious, if you're uptight, then Jesus says the antidote is give. 
It doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but to the mind, the heart that's been converted, it makes total sense. So the next thing happens, folks, when I lay up treasure in heaven is that I am reminded this world is not my home. I don't belong here, and I don't care what I do or do not have. I remember when we got our very first home. Uh, uh, another pastor's wife had dropped by our house to drop something off, and she looked at our, uh, at our old home, and you could see in her eyes that she really felt disappointed for us that we lived in such a humble home. I was so shocked by that. I thought, what does she care what I live in? I mean, another time we had a, a Christian lady deliver something to our house. Uh, I'm not going to say who she is, and she's not from our church, but she knocked on our door, and she, we opened the door. She looked in, and she said, oh, you poor kids, as if we were living in an absolute hovel. We were really happy and pleased and grateful for what God had given us. Oh, folks, listen, this world's not our home. Who cares what kind of a house you live in, what kind of a car you drive, or what kind of clothes you have? We're laying up treasure in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I want to live in such a way that I can give to the maximum. And, and I pray that that's how, how you are as well. Let me just say this in closing. February, the last week in February is when we do our missions banquet. I don't know if we'll be able to gather again for that. We're, we're racking our brains trying to figure out how we can do something so that we can raise the resources necessary to get the work done. Um, Jesus, Jesus ends this passage with these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder where your heart is right now. For some people, they, their goal in life is money. And if that is the case, if making big amounts of money is your goal in life, then I have to ask you the question, not to be judgmental, but I've got to ask you, are you, are you sure you're converted? Are you sure that you're actually born again? I remember one board member from a church I was part of years ago. Uh, he, I asked him point blank. I was, I was quite bold back then, not, not having the, all my filters in place. I asked him, did he tithe? And he got very uncomfortable, sort of shifting in his chair a little bit. And then he said, well, listen, pastor, I, I, I have a bit of a mortgage and I got to pay for my car. But pastor, as soon as it's all paid off, then, then I will begin to tithe. Well, you can imagine what happened. He never did tithe because he never had enough money and his car was never fixed. His house was never fixed. Nothing was good enough. And so he never did enter in to this life of giving that Jesus calls us to. See, the fact is, is that his treasure was his house. His treasure was his car, his stuff. And that's where his heart was. His heart was connected to things that have absolutely no value in the long run. Inconsequential. Where's your heart today? The reason we put on these banquets and the reason we raise these money, this money is so that you and I can do the work that Christ calls us to do. I'm going to tell you, we could go on without doing that. We could just, we could just simply do whatever we can to make you happy and and uh, sing lots of nice songs and kumbaya and, and make no demands on you. But then we wouldn't be doing what Jesus called us to do, and I wouldn't be giving you the opportunity to lay up treasure in heaven. But as it is, that's why we do what we do every year at the same time. And folks, I'm going to tell you, we, 
we need to raise uh, at least $36,000 to carry out our work in Burundi. This is the, this is the yearly cost. And actually, if you think about it, it's, it's a very small amount of money compared to what it costs to do church here in Canada. And so I said to my mom when I was talking to her on the phone yesterday, I said, all we need is 36 people to give $1,000 each and the job is done. And she said, Alan, but not everybody can do that. And that's true. But I'm going to tell you that if every one of us does our part, we can easily reach that $36,000 mark. But folks, there's more than that. We have 120 children right now who are, who are in our schools that we that we built that need to be sponsored, 120 children. Folks, we need you. The staff and the elders alone can't get this done. We need you to partner with us. Some of us have taken on multiple, multiple sponsorships. And I know one fellow, one family, one young family, they rent out their basement so that they can, they can, sponsor, I don't know, uh, 20, 20 sponsors. It's just an incredible number. But doing whatever they can. Look, I'm not saying that you need to sponsor 20 kids, but perhaps you need to maybe, maybe double what you're doing right now. It's doable, very, very doable. But, but even more than that, can, can I ask you to help us? Like, reach out to your friends and your family. Invite them to come and give, to sponsor a child. Just go to the website, and, and, and you can find the child. We would just be so grateful if you'd help us. We're, we're doing this as a team. This is not just my job. It's our job. Together, we are laying up treasure in heaven. Together, we're investing in eternity. Together, we're investing in people's lives because this is what God wants us to do. In fact, Jesus says when we take care of the least of these, our brethren, we're doing it unto Christ. Those who give to the poor and the needy in Jesus' name are what Jesus calls the sheep who will inherit eternal life. Let me just close with this. I was at a conference a few years ago in Victoria, and a pastor came up to me, and I said, hey, it's good to see you. How are you doing? He said, well, I'm not pastoring anymore. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, no, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't, be, don't be sorry about that. He said, Dave, you know what? I just sold a $2 million house. I'm in real estate now. I just sold a $2 million house. And I looked him straight in the eye, waiting for the punchline. And then I realized that was the punchline, the fact that he'd sold a $2 million home. And I, I didn't react the way he expected I would react, and I could see he was disappointed. But all I had was this horrible dread in my heart. How on earth? Could be, how on earth could selling a $2 million home be more gratifying than preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Folks, when our hearts are possessed by mammon, then all that matters are the things of this world. And the Bible's clear, this world is gonna pass away. It will all be burnt. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. What matters, folks, is that we've invested in eternity, that we've laid up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And I ask you, where is your heart? Is it here on this earth? Or is your heart with the Lord Jesus Christ? I invite you, invest, lay up treasure in heaven. Father, give us grace and strength in 2021 to give, to give generously, to lay up treasure in heaven. Father, that our hearts may remain pure and unpossessed by money, by that God man. And our, may our hearts be possessed by you alone, O oh God. Give us the grace, we pray, in faith to give and be set free from that horrible spirit of greed and lust for more. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Happy 2021.